Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. December 2021. 911 received a phone call from a panicked father. Actually, no rewind to that. 911 would receive multiple phone calls from a panicked father. His phone kept cutting out and he would have to call back to report his 20-month-old daughter missing. This would be a point of contention in the decade that followed. A baby with a broken arm goes missing overnight from her cot. There are no signs of a break-in and no sign of what happened to the baby. What will follow will be one of the most frustrating and rabbit-hold-filled cases you have ever heard. All we know is Ayla is still missing, and there are no answers where this baby could be. This is Ayla's story. A happy Ayla Reynolds, dancing around her living room. She was just 20 months old when she disappeared from her father's Waterville home a week before Christmas 2011. It's been nearly six months since Justin DePietro told police his daughter was abducted. Her father, Justin DePietro, reported her missing on December 17th, telling police he put her to bed the night before and she must have been abducted. In the days, weeks and months that followed, intensive searches in and around 29 Violet Avenue, a five-mile radius around the home. Trista Reynolds and Justin DiPietro had known each other for quite a long time, but they were never really in a relationship. They were in the same circle of friends, they knew each other kind of thing. Ayla was an unplanned pregnancy, given they were only casually seeing each other and still quite young. They were in their early 20s. When Trista told Justin she was pregnant with his baby, Justin actually didn't believe he was the father. Telling Trista if she was going to go through with this, that was on her, and he wanted nothing to do with her or the baby. Ayla Bell Reynolds was born April 4, 2010, and Trista would comment right away that she looked exactly like her father, like Justin. However, Justin still denied Ayla. He wanted Trista to put the baby up for adoption. It would take Justin taking a paternity test before he accepted Ayla as his daughter. I am going to just quickly say now, I am really going to try and stick with the facts as we know them in this story. Anyone who knows Ayla's story would know there is a lot of conflicting information out there, changing stories. It is really difficult to separate fact from fiction here. And this was, is, a high-profile case. Ayla's disappearance would be the largest criminal investigation in Maine's history and the third largest search in the state at the time of this recording. So there is a lot of information out there. And I did try to stick to reputable news sources. That being said, it seems that Justin didn't start with regular visitation with Ayla until mid-2011, about six months before her disappearance. There also didn't appear to be a formal court-ordered custody agreement between Trista and Justin. It was just taken that Trista had full custody of the little girl. But this does come back to haunt Trista later on. Although there was a court order for Justin to pay child support, and that was part of the reason Trista wanted Justin to take the paternity test. Not that it really mattered, because Justin was regularly late on paying child support. 
Trista was struggling with a drug addiction and would move in with her parents soon after Ayla's birth for support. Her parents' home in Portland, Maine. And Justin lived in Waterville, Maine with his parents and new girlfriend, Courtney, about an hour away. During this period of time, Ayla would only go for short visits with her father, just for the day, not overnight or for the weekend, nothing like that. But when Ayla would go for these visits, she would sometime come home with bruises. Now, obviously, being a concerned parent, Trista wanted to know what happened. But Justin would simply shrug them off and make up excuses that kids are kids. They play rough with each other and their toys and sometimes they get hurt. From sliding down the stairs with her cousin and from the playground. Trista would always complain to her parents that she didn't believe Justin's stories on how Ayla got hurt. And Ayla was far too young herself to say what happened. But to keep the peace and have that good co-parenting relationship with Justin, Trista kept her suspicions to herself. Although as a parent, and if my child kept being returned to me with bruises and cuts with no reasonable explanation, I don't know. There is no court-ordered custody here. Trista did not have to send Ayla to her father's. And I know it's easy for me to say I wouldn't have sent her, but I wouldn't have sent her. But one of the reasons Trista may have sent Ayla was because by late 2011, Trista would have another child. A little boy she named Raymond. And I imagine having basically two babies would have been a heck of a lot of work for the young mother. November 2011. Ayla came back from a visit with her father with a swollen arm and she was unable to move it. And then when Trista took her to emergency, it was broken. Justin would claim that allegedly he was walking up the stairs outside his parents' home in the rain while carrying Ayla. That's when he slipped and fell and he landed on her. At the time, he thought she was fine, but by the time he returned Ayla to her mother, she was in a lot of pain. While Trista would be described by everyone who knew her as a great mother who took amazing care of Ayla and Raymond all by herself, Trista also had her demons. But she was determined to not only be a great mother, but a great role model for her children. So on November 21, 2011, Trista handed over the care of her two children to her sister Jessica, and she checked herself into a 14-day drug rehabilitation program. However, while this should have been a positive step for this young family, it would result in the devastating disappearance of 20-month-old Ayla Reynolds. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. It would only be days after Trista entered rehab that Justin got wind of this, and he went to the Department of Human Services, or DHS as we refer to them in this story. But Justin would tell DHS that Trista is an unfit mother, that she abandoned her children. This ends with DHS going to Jessica's home to take the children away in particular Ayla, who was going to be placed in the sole custody of Justin. This would have been a massive shock to Jessica. She knew that Justin never seemed to show any interest in having custody of Ayla, outside of the irregular short visitation. Now, Jessica would flat out refuse to hand Ayla over. 
Trista left the children with her, and she knew all about Ayla's injuries when she was with her father. She wasn't going to be responsible for anything happening to this little girl. However, DHS would then return with the police, leaving Jessica no other option but to give Ayla to Justin. Heartbreakingly, according to the police report, Ayla was bubbly and giggly and playing with the police officers. She was happy. But as soon as she saw her father, Ayla became distressed and started crying hysterically for her aunt, even biting the police officer in an attempt to get away from her father. Yet DHS did nothing. Actually, they really did nothing in this whole story. None of the usual protocol we would normally see was done. There was no home visit to determine if Justin's home was suitable. There was no background checks or interviews with the people in the home. No court order, nothing. It was all just taken at Justin and his mother's word. There may have been good reason for this, given there was no custody agreement, so if Trista couldn't parent, Ayla's guardianship would automatically be with her father, Justin. However, I have also seen that the DHS caseworker on the case was also related to Justin's mother, Phoebe, who Justin lived with. Corruption at its finest, people. Now, obviously, Trista was told this right away, and she checked herself out of rehab and came home, ready to fight to get her daughter back. Her children were her entire world. During this time, Ayla was not allowed to see Trista, not allowed to even talk to her mother. Any messages to Justin asking how Ayla was, they all went unanswered. December 2nd, 2011. DHS conducted a family team meeting to determine what was best for Ayla going forward. Trista attended with both her sister Jessica and her lawyer. Justin was phoned into the meeting. By the end of the meeting, it was decided that Ayla was to be returned to her mother by December 6th. Justin was also supposed to take Ayla to see Trista on December 5th, 2011, but neither of these would actually happen. For the next two weeks, Trista fights all she can to get her daughter back. She called DHS every day, trying to get them to reinforce the agreed arrangements, but no one seemed to want to help her. Trista would wait until December 15 to file official court custody papers to get her daughter back, never telling Justin because she was afraid of what he might do, but somehow he found out. The very next day, December 16, 2011, Justin would send Trista a threatening text message. He would tell her she was never going to see Ayla again, and he would be correct because only hours later, Ayla would be reported missing. December 17, 2011, 8.51am. Justin called 911. He told the dispatcher his daughter was missing, that he woke up that morning and Ayla wasn't in her bed. The call was disconnected. During this first phone call, Justin never confirms his name or his daughter's name, just that his daughter was missing. He would call 911 back and again he was disconnected. This would happen three times before the dispatcher can ascertain any particular information from him. Police arrived at the home at 29 Violet Avenue within eight minutes of that call. According to Justin, he and his girlfriend Courtney, along with Courtney's baby, usually slept in the basement. That's the last time he saw Ayla was when he put her to bed at eight the night prior. Then he went into the basement and watched TV with Courtney until they fell asleep. Also in the home was Justin's sister, Alicia DiPietro, and her young child. Alicia said she checked on Ayla at 10pm and she was fine and fast asleep in her cot. Generally, Alicia's child shared a bedroom with Ayla, but on this night, her child slept in with her instead. The reasons for this change in routine have never been determined. 
Lastly, and this will become important later, but Justin's mother Phoebe, who occupied the final bedroom, she was apparently not home that night. Well, that was the initial story anyway. This would later change. That she was home the night before Ayla was reported missing when suspicion came down on her son. Because then Phoebe could say that she knew Justin was home that night and did nothing to Ayla. Then the next morning, Ayla was gone. That Justin had gone to check on his daughter just after 8am and she wasn't in her cot. She wasn't in her bedroom and she wasn't in the house. Justin, Courtney and Alicia searched everywhere for the little girl, but she was nowhere to be found. I guess one of the most frustrating pieces of information here. We are talking about 10 hours between the time Ayla was allegedly last checked on and when she was discovered missing. I don't know, but I'm going to assume many of you out there are parents. And you know this isn't normal. My children were amazing sleepers, and there is no way that amount of time would pass without me at least making sure they were still breathing. It was first theorised that Ayla may have gotten out of the cot and wandered out of the home by herself. But Justin said this isn't possible. Quote, She, there is no way she could have got, there's no way she could. Unquote. And I would have to agree. This little girl was not yet two years old. And while many children her age can MacGyver their way out of their cot, remember Ayla had a broken arm. And besides, we are talking winter in Maine, freezing temperatures and single digits. It is extremely improbable she would have gotten out of the house unnoticed. It seems the only likely theory at this stage of the investigation was that Ayla had been abducted. So based on that theory, search dogs were brought in to see if Ayla's scent could be tracked from the home. However, these search dogs found nothing indicating Ayla left the home alive. Police would next go to the home of Trista to inform her of her daughter's disappearance, but she wasn't there. Trista was actually in northern Maine visiting her boyfriend, her son Raymond's father. He was in prison. He'd recently been incarcerated on an arson conviction. This was when she received the phone call to come back because Ayla was missing. Okay, so was it possible that Trista took Ayla? She was obviously desperate to get her daughter back and felt like no one was helping her. Could she have gotten into the DiPetrio family home somehow and taken Ayla? Police did check Trista's cell phone records and she was in the area that night. However, she claimed that was only because she was driving to northern Maine and to get there, she had to drive on the highway that passes the Waterford exit where Justin and Ayla lived. Despite this, Justin and his family do not believe her. To this day, Justin's family believe that Trista was the one responsible for Ayla's disappearance, and this was the reason why no one heard Ayla cry when she was taken. With it being blindingly obvious that Ayla did not wander off on her own, police turned their attention back to the DiPetrio home with the FBI assisting on December 22, 2011. Crime scene tape went up at the home and everyone was asked to leave. A number of evidence bags were seen being removed from the home. And Justin and Courtney's cars were taken to be searched for evidence. It is not clear why, but Justin and Courtney, as well as Justin's sister Alicia, were brought in for further questioning. Something must have been said, because that very next day, the Melankoski River was partially drained and searched by divers. And although there was no official word why this particular location was of interest, nothing was found indicating where Ayla was and what happened to her. Dumpsters and landfill were also searched for Ayla's remains. Come and face me like a man, Justin, and tell me where my granddaughter is. You want to see someone pissed off now? Look at me, Justin. Honestly, look at me tonight when you're on TV. And you want to see somebody upset? I'm her papa. I'm her papa. 
I am her blood, you understand? You have taken something from me. And Justin DiPietro is a coward. He is a coward and he is no father. A father would not allow this to happen to a child. A father would say something, would speak for his child. If he loved Ayla in any way, in any way at all, he would speak for her. He would say what happened. He wouldn't be the coward that he is. Trista has been the driving force in the search for her daughter since day one. Trista and her family have held many a press conference begging for Ayla's safe return and has appeared on news media to keep her daughter's name and face out there. She has never stopped searching. Justin, on the other hand, if Trista was talking to everyone, Justin was talking to no one, not even to Trista. Trista was obviously struggling too, but he never reached out to her. All he would say was the week after Ayla went missing. He released a written statement to the media saying he was too emotional to say anything publicly. But his lack of involvement really didn't endear him to the public and just made him seem suspicious. Trista would actually go on the Today Show and call Justin out. She begged him to talk to her and just tell her her baby was okay. As 2011 comes to an end with no sign of the missing toddler, police hold a press conference and announce they believe foul play was involved in Ayla's disappearance and the little girl was most likely dead, that their search had expanded. The creek was searched again, as was Quarry Park, some dumpsters and neighbouring communities to Waterford, including behind a fitness centre, a nightclub and a Comfort Inn hotel, but nothing was found. What this would be, though, was a drastic change in the investigation. No longer were authorities searching for a missing child. This was now a criminal investigation, a recovery mission. This really seemed to shock Justin into action and he would start talking. He would now talk to the media and say he wanted to have his story heard and he desperately missed his daughter, that he loved her and would never do anything to harm her. He just wanted the police to do what they needed to do and he didn't want to do anything to hamper that investigation. But nothing he said really seemed to be with genuine emotion. He seemed detached and was only talking because it was suspicious he wasn't, that he had to say something, not because he wanted to. And I know we all grieve and handle tragedy differently, but these interviews are very, very strange. And what happened to Ayla? A question now for the Maine State Police as they take the lead in what's turning out to be an increasingly mysterious case. Every investigator involved in this case, as far as they're concerned, are still looking for a live little 20-month-old girl. Another point of contention that would be revealed at this time would be a report from the neighbour. A neighbour of the DiPietrios would later tell police the night before Ayla disappeared, at around 3, 3.30 in the early morning hours. There seemed to be a party at the DiPietrio house and there was banging and music and yelling, enough to make the neighbour's dogs bark and wake him up. This was when Justin's mother Phoebe would change her story and say actually she was there that night. She was sitting on the couch next to Ayla's bedroom door until after Justin went to sleep and the baby was fine. And then she would flip again and say, well, actually, she lied because she didn't like all the media scrutiny unfairly on her son, and he was innocent and just wanted Ayla found too. But this all just made things so much worse. It only made him look even more guilty. January 2012. Trista and Justin would be asked to sit polygraphs, which they both did. Trista did not complete hers because of a medical condition. But in her actions and what she already told police, they were comfortable that she was being truthful in what she was saying. I will forever talk about how much I don't like polygraphs, in how inaccurate they are and they aren't admissible in court anyways. But for the authorities to accept Trista couldn't do the polygraph but still supported she wasn't involved, hats off to them. 
Justin, however. And guys, I really went into this wanting to be unbiased. I feel like I achieved that in the Kyron Horman story, but this one, Justin really is making it bloody hard for me not to think he wasn't involved here. Justin sat for the polygraph and he would state he was never given the results of his test. But police would then come out and say he knows all right, and this would go back and forth. Justin would kind of end this back and forth by saying it didn't matter what the results were anyway because he, quote-unquote, smoked it. Alicia would also sit for a polygraph, and she said she did fine but wouldn't elaborate whether or not she passed. It's not clear whether Justin's partner Courtney or his mother Phoebe also completed a polygraph test. 2013, two years after Ayla disappeared, Trista revealed publicly that she'd been made privy to previous unreleased information by the police. That in the DiPietro home in Justin's SUV, police found blood evidence in several places. And this was substantial blood, visible to the eye without even having to use luminol. Blood was in the living room, but most interestingly, in the basement where Justin and his girlfriend slept. In the basement, there was blood on the wall and a five-inch diameter blood stain on Justin's mattress. Also found in the basement were some blood on a pair of Justin's shoes and a blue tote bag with some blood droplets inside. Inside the tote bag was a bedsheet with more blood stained on it. And when luminol was used, Trista would later state the basement looked like the worst crime scene you have ever seen. As far as Justin's SUV was concerned, Ayla's car seat had blood and vomit on it. All of this blood was an undeniable DNA match for Ayla. In all, the blood police found in the house and the car amounted to around a cup of blood, which is significant given Ayla was not yet two years old. Far too much for an accidental scrape or cut. It was clear that whatever happened to Ayla was significant and she was not okay. Now apparently investigators had asked Trista to keep all this information to herself, but her daughter was now missing for two years and they were no closer to finding Ayla than they were the day she was reported missing. All Trista wanted was answers and justice for Ayla. But according to Justin's sister Alicia, there was a reasonable explanation for the blood and vomit. Alicia claimed Ayla was lactose intolerant and sometimes when she vomited, she vomited blood. A claim Trista and her family have denied. Trista asked authorities to arrest Justin for abuse and neglect, but police have refused. Because despite there being blood evidence and physical evidence with Ayla's previous injuries whilst in Justin's care, and the fact that Ayla has never been seen since, but without Ayla or her remains being found, no body cases are difficult to gain a conviction for the prosecution. No body cases are difficult to gain a conviction for the prosecution. Despite to everyone Justin being hella suspicious and the evidence damning, the reality is, though, prosecutors get one shot at a court case due to double jeopardy. And if Justin is found not guilty, or even guilty for the abuse and neglect of his daughter, if Ayla is later found with undeniable evidence that Justin or anyone in his family were involved, they won't be able to charge him again. So, the best course of action is to wait and hope that Ayla is one day found. Now, it is important to note at this point, Justin and his family have never been named officially as suspects. It would be only days after this information was released that Trista's family would hold a candlelight vigil, and very against brand Justin would attend. The first time Justin would attend a vigil and the first time Justin would speak to Trista. At a vigil, a month into the investigation, Ayla's parents see each other for the first time and share a hug and stand shoulder to shoulder to be interviewed. 
You can't comment on the blood that was found the house. Uh, again, I'm not. I'm not here to answer any questions. You know, I'm just here to show my support for for the for community Ayla. that is is supporting Ayla. So, November sixteenth, two thousand and seventeen, Trista petitioned the courts to have Ayla declared legally deceased. That would not have been easy for her. She never gave up hope that Ayla was still alive. But there was a reason behind her doing this. Early two thousand and eighteen, Trista would file a wrongful death lawsuit against Justin. And even though civil cases like this are generally a money thing, all Trista wanted was to hold Justin accountable for what happened to Ayla. Now, it did take some time to serve Justin with the papers because no one knew where he was. He went completely off the grid. But he would eventually resurface in Los Angeles, California. February 2020. The lawsuit was amended to include Justin's mother, Phoebe, and his sister, Alicia, due to the, quote, conscious pain and suffering and the wrongful interference with the body of a deceased person, unquote. Justin also faced a breach of his duty of care. Justin's lawyer in response argued the lawsuit was baseless and passed the statute of limitations. This case has not yet seen its day in court. Traditionally, civil cases are generally very drawn out and it can take a number of years until it goes to court, which is why many are settled early. Thankfully for Trista, her lawyer is working pro bono, which is amazing. I am sure if that wasn't the case, she wouldn't be able to continue to fight for answers as to what happened to Ayla. Because it is clear from the blood evidence just how much blood there was that matched back to Ayla. It is clear that Ayla wasn't simply abducted by a stranger, that something happened to her in that house. That whatever did happen to Ayla, there is no way this toddler deserved it. She has a loving mother and extended family who just wants her back, to most likely put her to rest and to say their proper goodbyes, something no parent should have to do. At the time of her disappearance, Ayla Reynolds was 20 months old. She was 2 foot 9 and 30 pounds with blonde hair and blue eyes. She was last seen wearing a green onesie pyjamas with white polka dots and Daddy's Princess written across the front. If Ayla is still alive today, she would be 13 years old. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Ayla Reynolds, please contact the Waterville Police Department on 207 872 If you have your own thoughts and theories on the case we discussed today, or any case we talk about on Stolen Lives, please search Stolen Lives on Facebook, like the page so you don't miss an episode, and join the discussion group to talk about your thoughts and theories. You can also talk to us on Twitter, search lives underscore stolen, or on Instagram, Stolen Lives Podcast. If you like what you heard today, we would appreciate it if you share this episode on your social media of choice, and subscribe and leave a positive review on your podcast app. Today's episode was researched and written by me, Ali. Hosting and production was also by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. Thank you.